Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Alexander Coons about succession planning and mapping the success of employees to future leadership. Alexander Coons, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Uh, thanks, John. Appreciate it. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. Today, we're going to be talking about succession planning and mapping the success of employees to future leadership opportunities. And it's really interesting to think about this whole world of succession planning and how it's been shifting in recent years, you know, with lots of conversations around career pathways, uh, lateral moves, uh, reskilling and upskilling uh, your people uh, to have the opportunity for, you know, filling those future roles. There's lots to consider here. So we're going to have a fun conversation as we dissect this and, and dive on in. As we get started, I wanted to share Alex's bio with everybody. Alex Coons is an accomplished senior executive with more than 20 years of success across the energy, renewables, technology, consumer products, cybersecurity, defense, and health and wellness industries, leveraging extensive experience building and managing high-performance teams with a proven record of developing effective long-term strategies for a wide range of verticals. He is a valuable asset for companies working on M&A strategies valuations, technology integration, employee and cultural issues, corporate restructuring, exit strategies, and turnaround of distressed business units. So many wonderful things there. Uh, Alex, it's a pleasure to be with you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the conversation for today? No, probably the only relevant thing. I mean, before I really got involved with business, I was in the military for 10 years. So I, I'm a former Navy SEAL. I spent 10 years in the SEAL teams and then also worked as a contractor for a three-letter government agency. So that's the only other thing to add in there. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Well, as we get started, why don't you um, lay out for us some of your thinking around the importance generally of succession planning? Uh, I think everyone recognizes... But at least conceptually, it makes sense to have some form of succession planning. But I've also seen that most organizations um, really don't do this. Uh, they don't do it well. And certainly before we even get into talking about how to do it and how to do it well, why is it important? Why should we be paying attention to this? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And um, I, I think that the way I'm going to approach this is that um, I, I've worked for a number of Fortune 250 companies. And, you know, all those companies talk about succession plans, career advancement, and 
you know, all these things that they don't really have. It's more like a talking point or a keyword, so to say. And typically what happens is the succession plan in reality is kind of more or less, I'll call a, you know, not it's not the right term here, but good old boy network to some extent, right? Friend of a friend of a friend recommendation. And they're not really taking the time to identify and look at uh, great talent within the company. And then further, uh, furthermore, actually putting together a plan to help develop that individual to be successful for the future. The reason I share this is because working in Fortune 250 companies, I think there's a direct correlation or a relationship with retention, planning, career development to your corporate culture. And on other podcasts, I specifically talked about culture. And the reason that's very important to me is that I had spent a number of years in the SEAL teams and Department of Defense, but never realized um, how invaluable some of the process uh, the Department of Defense had in place. And specifically, you know, every Fortune 250 company I've gone to, they talk about succession planning, uh, career development, training, all these other things to help, you know, ideally um, facilitate an employee's advancement through the company, but those don't exist. And every time I've resigned in a position and moved to another company, I'm given one piece of paper that signifies my entire history with that company, which is a thank you letter, right? And it really started to make me look back at my past. And this one day I was going through my file cabinets and I found my military records. And within my military record, I had one folder, which was literally the size of a dictionary. And within that was every performance evaluation that had ever been conducted on me. It's every training I've ever, ever taken. Um, all the different increasing levels of accountability and responsibility. And then also on top of that were sheets to identify, hey, if you want to get to this next advancement level, these are the minimum things you have to, you know, you have to complete. And so I, um, I had a gem and I didn't realize it. And, you know, I think that that's one thing that I took for granted and, you know, in terms of succession planning, we are trying to model a lot of the Department of Defense process because I think they do it very well. Um, the Department of Defense is an area where you could come in as an E1, an enlisted person, and you, if you wanted to become an admiral or a general, they would clearly articulate to you the steps and the required training and everything that are necessary for you, for you to get there. And and feasibly, you can get there. Um so I, to your earlier question, I think it's absolutely important uh, because, you know, the success of your success of your your future company is dependent upon those who have that expertise and knowledge. And I, I find it very disheartening in many cases that, you know, as your company scales, you become, you know, layered from your employees and it becomes more difficult or increasingly difficult for you to really identify, you know, your top performers and be able to really train and educate them and provide them with the experience to be successful in the future and potentially a future leader of the company. Yeah. And, and to really know where your people currently stand, that's a challenge. Like so few organizations do that very well. And then to know, like truly know what it takes to be successful in various leadership roles Yep. Same thing. I mean, that's that's something that a lot of organizations just really don't 
have a good handle on, let alone, I mean, it's one thing to say, do we have a handle on that for right now, but let alone thinking about it into the future. And as the the pace and rate of change is, is shifting so rapidly and as, you know, there's going to be new types of structures and organizations and new t- types of leadership roles and new required competencies and capabilities. All of these things are going to um, be shifting. And so trying to understand what makes for a successful leader in XYZ, you know, organization and role today versus in three years, five years from now, that's even harder. All of this leads to this challenge around succession planning successfully, right? Really truly yeah. mapping things out in, in a way that's going to help people um, be prepared to to take on those future roles. Any thought on how we can go about tackling that? Because I mean, a lot of this is just unknown. We don't know what the future will look like. Um, but I suppose it starts even just with truly understanding where people are at right now. I, you know, and and the reason I brought up the kind of cultural aspect, uh, um, you know, of it is because I think it all hinges around the corporate culture at the end of the day. You know, there's some common themes when you go to every company that's succession planning, that's, uh, you know, career development, uh, then there's incentive compensation. How do you recognize your your employees for for their contributions in a company? And I think they're all interrelated. And most companies try to tend to look at them differently. But you know, if you're trying to develop an employee that might be a new employee in the company to be a future potential leader, inset you know there's a direct relationship to your incentive compensation plans. Basically, incentive compensation, in my mind, is not just monet- a monetary thing. It's recognizing employees for their contributions and making sure that those that recognition is more broadly shared across the company. So, you know, our the way we kind of look at it is first and foremost is what kind of culture are we trying to create, and how do we recognize employees for their contributions with this in company? You know, within the company, some of it could be monetary. But the reason I say culture is years ago, I had this vision and I talked a little bit about the Department of Defense. And I said, you know, as my company starts to scale and I, I be, you know, the, there's more filtering and more filtering and more layers to, you know, the end of it, my employees that are actually, uh, you know, responsible for managing policies. You know, all too many times we hear in large companies, oh, my God, this policy was horrible. It sucked. Well, that's because at the end of the day, as a CEO, I might be enacting policies, but yet there's no feedback mechanism on whether those work or not. So what that made me think of is in the future, you know, I have I have an offsite team meeting with 100 or 200 employees or I'm in a conference room of 100, 200 employees. It's very sad to think that I could be sitting in a room and not know about 20 percent of my employees or not know anything about them. And so where I really wanted to start is kind of that, you know, the first part of the succession planning is uh, employee recognition and compensation. And my vision here was that I wanted to be able to go into a room and not know any, you know, potentially not know 20% of my employees, but at least be able to look at that employee, know something about them. And so what that made me think about is Years ago, when I was a new person in the military, uh, young, I was you know 20 years old, the very first meeting I had was a command meeting with our CO, and there were about 200 people in the room. I didn't know about 98% of the people in the room, but 
everybody in the room was wearing khakis with uh, medals and ribbons on their chest. And the very interesting thing, again, this goes back to my kind of realization moment, is that the thing I really enjoyed about that moment that really stood out to me is that I didn't have to know their name or anything about that person, but I could look across the room by the different insignias and devices they're wearing on their chest to know something about them, what training they've completed, uh, whether or not they've gone to combat, whether or not they've been an instructor, whether or not what their rank is, how many years they've been in the military service. And I said, wow, you know, wouldn't that, you know, I, I, I don't want to create a culture that's like, you know, kind of like a command and control structure, right? Because I really believe leadership is not synonymous with a title. But how do I how do I bring forward and protect and preserve those elements that I think do add value? You know, my vision here is I want to be able to sit in, in a room of a thousand employees or 200 employees and be able to look across a room and be able to recognize either an achievement from that employee, how long they've been at the company, you know, whether or not they're an expert in marketing or whether or not they're an expert in sales or something. And on top of that, it's not just about me knowing something about the employee. It's about other employees looking across, you know, the room and, and, and because the reality is to, to have a true culture where employees bond, there has to be some element of recognition, something that you can relate to that employee. And in many cases, it usually doesn't start with a greeting or a conversation. It, it, that kind of bond starts with a, um, you know, more like a common, there's a common theme between employees. And I love the thought of, you know, having certain ribbons or symbols or whatever they are representing a marketing expert or sales expert. So that way, if I have a new employee, they can look across the room and say, oh my gosh, that person is obviously exceeded sales quotas for three years in a row. I really want to meet that person, talk to them about sales, about the process, pipelines, whatever. So for us, it's, you know, the idea is starting with some type of structure that whether or not we get on meetings, we're meeting in person or we're meeting virtually, that there's some little placard or like card that would be able to uh, not only recognize individuals for how long they've been at the company, but also accomplishments, what training they've attended and potentially what roles they perform within the company. Um, so that's the first part. And then, and then. Once we, you know, I think what that does is that creates an opportunity for us to define, okay, what do we want to recognize our employees for? You know, there's sales performance, there's marketing performance. Well, if we have a ribbon for sales performance, okay, what training do we then need to provide on top of that to help that employee advance and be better at their job? So for us, it's a very comprehensive thing that we're starting to implement layers right now. Um, but first and foremost, we, you know, the thing that we felt we needed to do is really look at our culture and said, is our culture, our vision and mission as a company really signify the things that are important to us and our employees? And if not, let's fix that first. And then let's decide the things that are important to our employees. What type of recognition do they want? Because the practical reality is most companies try to incentivize with, you know, large cash bonuses. But in many cases, you know, you start providing a bonus. Now it's no longer an incentive. It's an expectation. And, and the practical reality is, you know, in a so-called proverbial cube environment, it, it's not that employees 
want to necessarily make a million dollars. It's that they want to feel valued, right? They want to feel that they're actually contributing value. And not only that, but they're being recognized for that value that's, you know, that, that people are noticing it. Um, so that's, you know, that's the hard thing. The other, the other thing that we're really, uh, we're looking at doing too, and I, I spoke to this specifically in another podcast about a labelist culture is that I feel kind of the world is kind of boxing us into labels and all kinds of different things these days and making us develop programs and training around a specific label on a company. And we're going a different direction. So we're, we're eliminating labels. And the reason is because when I was in the SEAL teams, we had all kinds of ages, ethnic backgrounds, uh, religious beliefs, political beliefs. I never once thought about those theme, those things when I was in the SEAL team. I just looked at everybody else as another person. Age wasn't a factor. Um, you know, the, what the person looked like was not a factor. And what I realized over time as I started working in these corporate companies, I started labeling people myself. And then I think in some sense that labeling creates uh, bias tendencies and, and it kind of, to me, it goes the wrong direction. So, you know, as it relates to recognition, I, you know, I think it's very important that whatever class an employee sits in, that they're recognized as an individual, not as a label and not as something different within a company, right? So it's important that we all have a common, um, you know, a, a common view of things that you're just another teammate. Doesn't matter if you're female, male, if you're black, you're white or Hispanic that we're looking at each other as a teammate and, um, and, and looking at how do we, how do we accelerate the development of our employees beyond education to help them be successful in their job at the same time, taking the time to sit down with them and clearly understand what their, you know, what their, what their future ambitions are. Yeah, so everyone certainly is an individual. We need to treat them as such, uh, mm-hmm. and and labels can be potentially challenging. Um, I it's interesting as you were describing, um, you know, the ribbons. I was thinking about, you know, is there a way we can go about sort of some, you know, some form of digital badging or or some, yeah. you know, some, yeah. something like that, right? To to acknowledge just types of experience, competencies, capabilities, um, not as a status symbol. And I, I suppose that could be the challenging cultural piece is like th- it, this isn't yep. for status, but it's it's for to to facilitate collaboration. Right. right. <laughs> to facilitate. Right. right. Like so people understand where expertise is so they know who to talk to, et cetera. Um, that's a really interesting idea. And and I think it's it's one worth really exploring. And I, it's always important to to recognize that every individual person has their own unique set of wants, desires, needs, challenges that they're facing goals in life. And those things, not only are they specific to each individual person, uh, but they shift over time, you know, as people are in different stages of their life and in their career. And so there's no substitute for just having the conversation with your people and knowing your people and knowing what they are shooting for. You know, I, I've had different periods in my own professional life where, you know, I was, you know, pretty gung ho about trying a new path, you know, trying a, a new mm-hmm. uh, leadership path, for example. And and then there were t- other times where I wasn't. And it, it really had nothing to do with my capabilities or my, 
you know, my work ethic or any of those sorts of things. It just had to do with kind of timing. It had to do with family matters. It had to do with a whole bunch of other things. And so just making sure that one, as an employee, I could signal, you know, those things to uh, my my boss and to the leadership team so they know I'm interested when I am interested um, but that can be touchy and, and that can be a little bit hard to do and to feel you know some people aren't going to be really super excited about expressing that feeling a little <laughs> nervous about that and so so yeah. for leaders to take take uh, on you know the responsibility is part of just their normal check-ins and one-on-ones and and just touching base with their people have those conversations and and know your yeah. people know what they need what they want what they're shooting for and then you can you can create a pathway that's going to work uh for them i think that's really really important one other thing uh, that you mentioned that i do want to just double click on real quick and and that is the the foundational piece that you talked about in terms of the culture the mission the vision the values of the organization so so often when we talk about succession planning um and mapping and you know trying to create structural pathways for people to to get this the experiences they need to move up it's this kind of a technical process it's a scaffolding all of that's important and i do believe that we should try to develop those types of opportunities but if it's not built on the foundation of trust if it's not built on the foundation of good alignment with culture with the values and in the mission and the purpose 100%. of the organization then what are you really preparing people for? Uh, you know, you're, it, yeah. you're, you're going to be putting a lot of time and effort into something where there's just misalignment. And then you're going to end up with people in positions uh, that don't actually truly connect either with, you know, their own career goals or the organization's, you know, objectives and goals moving forward. So remembering that and focusing on creating that solid foundation and continually reinforcing it uh, and sustaining it over time, super, super important. Yeah, I really like what you're saying, too, because, you know, just to kind of share a thought here, I'm I'm part of an organization called EO. And as much as, you know, corporations like to believe there's a separation between personal and personal and professional, I don't really agree with that. Because to your earlier point, if you're suffering personally or with your family or there's something going on, it's going to affect your professional life. And within EO, uh, we, you know, we do these monthly meetings with, uh, it's a group of C- CEOs that you all meet, everybody meets, and you share what's called your 5%. And your 5% are the things that are holding you back personally, professionally, business, family, and community. And it's an expectation. So it's a confidential forum. If you ever discuss any of the 5% outside of your forum, you can get kicked out of EO. But what it's intended to do is really get you to talk about and express the things that are impacting your ability to do your job. And the practical reality is personal issues and family issues have a large impact on that. And so how do you translate that into a corporate environment? Because I kind of feel like the larger company becomes the more risk averse we become and, and more and we start worrying about liability, saying the wrong things. Well, that's a training issue. You know, if, if your managers are ineffective in coaching your employees, that's a training issue. That's not a, that's not a regulatory issue, right? So doesn't mean we should just ignore it now and not do anything about it. And so what we try to do is we try, we try really hard to bridge the gap between personal family and business, because we want to know if our, one of our employees is having an issue, whether that's maybe alcohol, drugs, or they're, you know, they're not getting along with their spouse. 
um, where we want to be able to help if we can. And so sometimes, you know, some of the things that we do are unconventional. So I might be in the middle of a one-on-one, but, you know, if I detect or sense that there's something wrong, the employee's just not wanting to share with me because I'm the boss and the boss makes the decision. What I typically do is I'll cut that one-on-one, cut the one-on-one off right there. And I'll say, let's go for a walk for the next hour. And we'll just go walk down the trail. And it's a real personal conversation. And I feel like when you can get an individual into a setting in which they feel comfortable, then they tend to be more expressive. And they may not be willing to talk about everything all at the same time and just regurgitate all their problems, but at least they'll give you a sense of what their problem is. And then you can, then it's up to you to really take the time to spend the time with that employee to really identify what that issue is and how, how you can help them. But, you know, these aren't, these aren't complex issues. These are, these are people issues, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we may be working at a company, but we're still people. We have emotions, we have feelings. Um, There are things we, we sometimes make bad decisions and, you know, to sit here and have this expectation that employees never going to make a bad decision in their life, maybe never do drugs, maybe never do alcohol. That's just a, that's just a fault. That's just a falsity, right? You, you know, the, the practical reality is there's always going to be a percentage of people who fall into that trap. And it's what you do to, to obviously try to identify what that issue is and, and hopefully point your employee in the right direction and, and help them develop beyond that point. This has just been a really great conversation. Uh, we could go on and on and on, but I think we're going to have to put a pin in it for there. Uh, before we wrap things up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah, so um, you can connect with me at uh, op2labs.com. Um, you know, we I tend to monitor every one of our systems, so things get escalated to me. That's kind of one of my pet peeves here is that I really want to understand how my business operates. So if you get off two labs, reach out to our support team. You want to get a hold of me, just let them know. They'll make sure they, uh, they get a hold of me. Um, you know, in terms of a, a follow-up here, I think the, you know, obviously succession planning and career development is very important for any organization. And, and I think in many cases, we need, we need to really think out of the box. I mean, we know how to interact with people outside of a professional environment and we shouldn't use the confines of a professional setting to to ignore the more important elements of human behavior and human development. And that is developing that personal relationship with that employee. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Thanks, Alex. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Alex and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. you enjoy the human capital innovations podcast enjoy ad-free listening by going to the patreon page and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level and please leave a review thank you for your support thanks again for joining us for this episode of the human capital innovations podcast I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.